0: reading the scripture. It was very difficult for me to give him a particular passage, because I'm going to speak to you uh, from the life of Joseph itself, which is the last 13 chapters of Genesis. So um, anyway, so we'll look at life of Joseph, and uh, we'll look at what God is trying to tell us. Uh, Before that, uh, last two Sundays, we were a group of 10 of us. We had the privilege to be in Chhattisgarh. In Balod and uh, you know surrounding regions of Balod, and uh, we had a terrific time. And uh, it so happened that uh, we were talking uh, to uh, Lansi Chan about uh, you know one particular family, and uh, you know they come from a village. And uh, uh, this family, you know, they they are farmers. They grow rice, uh, right? And uh, and uh, pretty much that's 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 their uh, uh, only way to survive and. more often than not, uh, they always fought fall short of the resources for you know for their living. Uh, so I was asking, how do they you know uh, come to Sunday worship? Uh, you know, how do they live their life? And interestingly, now this particular family walks al- almost an hour to get a bus, almost an hour to get a bus, and from there they come nine o'clock sharp to attend the worship. And then they go back. So they are the family of five to six, Um, and they go back uh, every every Sunday. Uh, Another thing: as soon as they accepted Lord Jesus Christ, and when the villagers came to know, uh, they have outcasted them. They are treated as untouchables within the society. And when I was reading uh, the life of Joseph, interestingly, whenever you do right things for the Lord not always good comes to you. Not always good things happen to you. When you choose to follow Lord Jesus Christ, not necessarily everything will fall in place for you. Many a times when you decide to follow Jesus Christ, you will go through sufferings. You will go through tough times. And many a times when you do the right thing, you will suffer. And that's what the life of Joseph teaches us. But before we look at the life of Joseph, it's interesting uh, and it's important for us to turn back to Genesis chapter 12. That's where it all starts. You know, God makes a promise to Abraham, right? And it says, I will bless you and make you a great name so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him, those who dishonor you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You know, this is the beginning of the people of Israel through whom Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, will come to the world and will save the mankind. right It's important for us to start with the life of Abraham and the covenant that Lord Jesus, uh, the God makes with Abraham. You know, and there's a clear covenant that is made by God uh, to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 15, Genesis 15, verse 13 to 16. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servant there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, and will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you will be buried in a good old age. And this is the covenant that God makes with Abraham. Interestingly when God calls Abraham he tells you leave everything that your father has all the comfort all the joys that you have come follow me i will take you to the land which i'll show you later and abraham leaves everything and he's following what god has commanded right and he's out in wilderness and when god gives him his covenant the promise interestingly what god says is know that your offering will be sojourners in a land that will not be theirs. Imagine if God makes a promise to us right now and he calls us out and he says, you know what? You and your offsprings will be sojourners in a land that is not going to be yours. Abraham must be confused, right? And then he goes on to increase the uh, intensity and he says that they will be afflicted. It's not that They will be there for 400 years. It says they will be afflicted for 400 years. We see faithfulness of Abraham. Despite of all that, he was faithful and he went ahead with whatever God had told him. And here we see the beginning of those 400 years with the life of Joseph. It says through many afflictions. So, there is a plan for the pilgrims by God, you know, when they are sojourners in a land that is not theirs. It's pretty much our stories also in this earth, right? We are also sojourners in this earth. We don't belong here. You remember what Nate told us uh, in the camp, right? Our citizenship is not here, our citizenship is in heaven. We are sojourners here. And this is pretty much, we can relate a lot of things with the life of Joseph. The starting of those 400 years, we are sojourners and there is a lot of affliction that might come our way and we learn from the life of Joseph five things that we can inculcate in our life today and how we can live. So let's turn to the life of Joseph. So the story of Joseph is found in chapter 37 to 50 of Genesis, okay? Okay. Um, so going back to Abraham, so uh, bringing you up to speed, so Abraham has a son Isaac, Isaac has son Jacob, uh, Jacob has 12 sons uh, who become the fathers of the 12 tribes of uh, Israel, and one of the, Jacob's 12 sons was Joseph, right? And uh, now Jacob had two wives, uh, Rachel and Leah, right? And, uh, you know, Jacob loved uh, rachel you know more than leah and that's that's what's mentioned and uh joseph was born of jacob and uh, rachel you know and he was the youngest one so obviously you know jose uh, jacob had a lot of love more than the other 11 kids uh that he had so one fine day you know jacob calls uh, joseph and he gives him a what does he give him a coat a colorful coat a multicolor coat right and uh, you know this makes the other brothers very angry you know what we are also his sons you know but he gives special treatment to joseph and that's that's the that's the scene going on and on top of this now joseph has dreams okay and uh, <laughs> you know it's it's weird right and already you know his brothers are hating him for being dad's favorite now he comes up with dreams and that too the interpretation of the dream is even more stranger because dream says that his entire brothers will bow down in front of him and the second dreams even his father and mother will bow down in front of him you know this this is this is boiling the blood of his brothers you know and they they cannot take this anymore you know so one fine day so J- joseph is going to the field searching for his brothers and they are working somewhere in the field and they see Joseph coming from far. You know this is the day. that's it. You know We should kill him. You know this dreamer is coming. He's having all these sort of dreams. He thinks that we'll bow down in front of him. Let's kill him. You know, one of the twelve brothers, Reuben, you know he tries to save Joseph, and uh, he, he tries to convince his brothers, you know what? We should not kill him. So his effort didn't go waste, so they decide not to kill him, but to sell him, right? And they sold him to Ishmaelites, uh, you know, uh, which were heading to Egypt. This is, we read in uh, verse 25 or 37. And they keep their special coat and they, you know, put animal blood on him and his father assumes that he is dead. Uh, Now, coming to Joseph himself, right? So now Joseph has been in, from there he's been sold to Potiphar, right? And Potiphar is... The commander of the all the head servants and uh, the 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 in in uh, Pharaoh's household, right? And now Joseph is in Egypt, okay? And this is where the prophecy or the co- covenant that was given to Abraham starts, right? And this is where Joseph has landed in Egypt, right? And uh, he's doing all the right things. He's doing all the right things, irrespective of all his circumstances. He is doing the right thing. If you read the story of Joseph, nowhere you will find that he has taken a step which is against the will of the Lord. Or he has taken decisions which will profit him more than doing the will of the Lord. Nowhere you will read. He's doing all the right things. And because of that, he always finds favors in the eyes of the masters. You know, we read that he found favor in the eyes of Potiphar, you know, where he was the servant. And then he becomes the head servant and he is given authority over all the servants to do whatever. And there was no su- uh, supervision also uh, you know, on him. He was able to take decisions by himself. You know, that means whatever meat he has to buy, he can go. He can tell the you know, servants to go and buy whatever vegetables, what needs to be cooked, what n- uh, not. Every decision he can take in that household with regards to the running of that house. He found favor in the eyes of his servant of his master the first lesson that we learn from the life of Joseph is this doing the right thing does not always lead to relief from pain and suffering I repeat that doing the right thing does not always lead to relief from pain and suffering why I say that now if you read in Genesis chapter 39 what happened so the story doesn't end there right so there is Potiphar's wife, and Joseph is a nice, good-looking, handsome man, you know. Um, you know, and and he's the servant. So obviously, his wife uh, might be seeing him more often than not because he's the head of all the servants that's there. And then she casts longing eyes on Joseph. You know, she wants to lie down with Joseph. She desires for Joseph other than her husband. And this is not the first time that she tries to entice Joseph, right? Is it just the first time that you know she came to Joseph and said, "You know what? You lie down with me," and Joseph ran from there? No, I think it happened over a period of time. She kept on trying, 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 trying to see if she can break Joseph, and Joseph was always faithful. You know what? You're my master's wife. You know it's not right. This is this is this would be a sin, and he knew that. And one fine day, when we see when Potiphar's wife finds that situation when no one was there at home and when when she was lonely and when Joseph was alone. And we see that scene in chapter 39 when she forced Joseph. What did Joseph do? What did Joseph do? He? He ran. Did he sit and argue with Potiphar's wife? Did he sit and argue? You know what? Let me teach you from the scripture. You know, this is what, he didn't rationalize. He didn't rationalize at that point in time. He did the right thing. He understood, this is danger zone. I'm alone, she's alone, something can happen. Let me run. Let me run. Let me not rationalize, let me not sit with her and rationalize. Let me run. He did the right thing. Because he did the right thing, what happened? Potiphar's wife accused him of trying to lie down with her. And in turn, he was sent to jail. When I look at life, I do feel life is unfair. But when I look at God... I see God is fair. When we look into our situation, we think life is unfair. We do the right thing, we end up in jail. We do the right thing, we end up in trouble. That family that I spoke to you about, they did the right thing. They accepted Christ. Now they are treated as untouchables. You do the right thing, your suffering might increase. Not always, but in some cases, yes. Being Christian is not easy. And, uh, but God has always some promises that is there in the passages, in the scriptures that he gives us. To, live, uh, you know, to allow us to live life on this earth, because it's going to be difficult. Being a Christian is not easy. right? Being a Christian is absolutely not easy. But what is the promise that God gives us? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 19, 20 and 21. First Peter chapter 2, verse 19, 20, and 21. For it is a sign of grace is for man desiring to do right in the eyes of God, undergoes pain as punishment for something which he has not done. What credit is it if he when you have done evil and you take punishment quietly? But if you are given punishment for doing right, and you take it quietly, it is pleasing to God. This is God's purpose for you, because Jesus himself underwent punishment for you, giving you an example that you might go on in his footsteps. Interesting, right? He says that if you take punishment for doing rightly, for doing right things, and you stay quiet, it is pleasing to God. When you do evil and you take punishment quietly, what good are you doing? But if you do the right thing for the Lord and you stay quiet, you wait on the Lord, it is pleasing in the eyes of God. And then he goes on to say, Jesus is the example. Truly, when we look at the cross, did Jesus do the right thing? From today morning when we were looking at the worship, the thoughts, the servant king, one who died on the cross... And God knows Gethsemane when he was pouring out his heart to the Father. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but let your will be done. He was doing the right thing, obeying what Father wanted him to do. What was his end? He suffered. The most brutal death recorded in the history. Whipped, spat upon, put a cr- crown of thorns on his head. He had to drag his own cross. He was nailed. He was pierced. He was mocked. He did all the right things. Yet he suffered. And Peter is. In First in, in, in Peter, we are reminded of the same thing, that he's giving you an example that you might go on in his footstep. You know, Jesus Christ is the best example that we have that we may live our life and we, we may live our life according to what Jesus Christ himself has given us as an example. Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12, it says that, Blessed are you when you revile and are persecuted and say all kinds of evil and they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and exceedingly glad, be glad for there is a great reward in heaven rejoice and be exceedingly glad for there is a great reward in heaven you know Bible constantly reminds us how we need to live our life When you you choose Jesus Christ, you're not choosing convenience. When you choose Jesus Christ, you're not choosing a life that is going to be very easy. When you choose Jesus Christ, you're saying, you know what Lord? I'm ready to suffer for you. When you choose Jesus Christ, you, you say, you know what Lord? I'm ready for whatever circumstances you bring my way. You are ready to suffer. People will mock you. People will make fun of you. But the scripture says rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Every Christian must remember that following God, following Christ is not always convenient. when i look at my last 12 months or so in fact if i look at last 3 years of my life i made god a god of convenience in my life you know it's easy for us especially in a city like bangalore when we live we have everything at our you know it's everything in our mobile in fact you know every, we have all the kind of apps that are available to make our life easy same thing we think of god also you know we want him to make our life easy god of convenience but bible says that god is not god of our convenience he has purchased us is what he says by his blood you know the meaning of purchase that we don't belong to ourselves our life doesn't belong to us anymore When you are able to fathom this particular thought that your life doesn't belong to you, I think you will have a better perspective of God because your life belongs to Him. He has purchased you by His blood. I think how much more time that we need to give to the Lord. How much more we have to give ourselves to the Lord because everything belongs to Him. Your money, your time, your resources, your energy, everything belongs to God. Where does your priority lies? Is God your God of convenience? Or He is truly your God, your Yahweh? But one thing is for sure, that when you choose to do the right thing, it will not always give you relief from pain and suffering. Second thing we learn from the life of Joseph, God will make all things work together for good. That is for sure. You know there is a promise given in the scripture that God will make all things work together for good. You know when, when suffering happens in our life when, when difficult time comes in our life our our, our vision is very short sighted. You know we are not able to see the big picture. You know we are only seeing the suffering or the pain or the trials of that particular duration. We we fail to see the big picture. But when we see Joseph's life, we see the big picture. God made all things work together for good in his life so that the covenant that was made to Abraham could be fulfilled. And where do we read this? So we go ahead with the story. So he's in prison right now. So Joseph is in prison and uh, he meets Pharaoh's chief butler and baker. You know, and both of them have a dream and Joseph interprets the dream for them. And Butler's dream meant that he will be reinstated into Pharaoh's house, uh, while the baker will be hanged. All these interpretation came true, right? And uh, when Joseph showed goodness to the Butler, you know, how did Butler respond to his goodness? Did he remember Joseph after he got out? No, he did the right thing again. Joseph did the right thing again. What did he get in return? Nothing absolutely nothing the butler went out and he forgot about joseph but all these things happen for a, for a reason because then we later read that pharaoh had a dream right and and no one is able to interpret the dream he calls all the people all the big hot shots you know all the people who could interpret and they are there in the courts and he's telling his dream and no one absolutely no one is there who can interpret the dream and that's when the butler remembers you know what I know of a man, I know of a man, I met him in jail and he interpreted, my, interpreted our dreams and it came true. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph and Joseph comes and he interprets the dream. And, and Pharaoh is very happy, you know, the way he has interpreted and, and he makes him in charge for this entire activity. And eventually we see that he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. This we read in Genesis 41, verse 39 to 41. A remarkable turn of events in the life of Joseph, right? From a mere prisoner to the prime minister. You know, his journey. Prisoner to prime minister. p to p Amazing journey. But was it easy for him? Was it easy for him? Because he did all the right things and every time he suffered. Yet, he was faithful, knowing that God is always in control and how do we read that when when he came out, he says, "It is not me who interpret your dream, it is the Lord Yahweh. After all the suffering imagine I was putting myself in the shoes of Joseph. If I was there, the first thing if that would have happened to me was I would have forgotten, forgotten about God. I would have just seen the fresh air and the, and the palace and I would have just forgotten. What did he remember for the first time? He said, it is not me who interprets your dream. It is my God Yahweh. You know, he giving glory to God despite of the journey that he had. Betrayed by his own brothers. Falsely accused of doing things to his wife that he didn't even think of. Forgotten by a butler whose dream he interpreted. Yet, after all these years, he's being faithful and he's remembering God Yahweh and he's giving glory to him. All his abilities, he's saying, you know, it's not my ability to interpret the dreams. It is my God, my Yahweh. He gives the entire ultimate control to God and he's saying, my God is in charge. You know, Deuteronomy 31 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. You know, this is a promise that God gives us, right? No matter what journey that you go through, how difficult it may be, the scripture says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. I think Joseph remembered this. Joseph had this thought in his mind that my God, my Yahweh is always there for me. He's always in control. That's when when Pharaoh asked, it's not me. It's not my abilities. It's my God who's interpreting your dream. It's his ability in me. In Romans 8.28, Paul reminds that all things work together for good. What does he say? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Paul is stating if you are called for his purpose, all things will work together for good. You know, in, in, in that particular moment of our trials, in, in that particular moment of our suffering, we may not be able to see the big picture always. But remember that God is in control. And when that big picture is revealed, you will understand all things work together for good. Imagine Joseph, right? Uh, imagine Abraham, right? He was promised that all his offspring will go through suffering. They will be servants in the land which doesn't belong to them. For 400 years they will suffer. All they had to is wait, wait for the promise to get fulfilled. Lesson 3. There is no excuse good enough to break God's commandment there's absolutely no excuse that we can have in order that we can break God's commandment. You know, many a time we, we, we do something wrong in, in the eyes of God and we try to rationalize. Oh, I was so weak. I don't know. You know, when you, when you fall into temptations, we say, I'm weak. I don't know. It's, it's just not possible. You know, when we say it's not possible, we are demeaning the work of God that happened on the cross we are demeaning the power of the blood of Jesus Christ there is absolutely no excuse that is good enough that allows you to break God's commandment and Joseph knew that very well he knew that very well when Potiphar's wife approached him could he have done something different if he would have decided to fall into temptations yes maybe his life would have been good he would have find favor in the eyes of his wife, uh, Potiphar's wife as well. He would have gained more success. Maybe. We don't know. But he didn't choose that life. He didn't choose that life. There's absolutely no excuse for you to break God's commandment. You know, sometimes it might be the most difficult thing to resist. But in blood of Christ, we have the power to resist any sin. And when we say that it's difficult for me, it's impossible, I'm too weak, remember you're demeaning the blood, the power of the blood of Christ. The work that he did on the cross, you're demeaning the work. Because in that blood, we have the power to resist any sin. We have the power to say no to any sin. We have the power to flee and run away And say, you know what? I will not do this. I will not rationalize any sin. I just don't want this. We have a choice. Because of what Christ did on the cross. This morning, I just want to ask you, what is your excuse? I don't know what you are going through. But I am very sure everyone has their own weaknesses. There is no one who can stand up and testify. I have absolutely no weakness. Till the time we are in flesh... We are weak, but we are made strong in Jesus Christ. But this morning, I just want to ask you a question and leave it there. What is your excuse that you have in mind? Past week, past month, the entire year, 365 days have passed. What has been your excuse to break God's commandment? Is there any? Have you rationalized your sins? Have you said that you're weak? Ask yourself that question. Because Joseph is a good example for you. If he wanted, he could have fallen. But he chose to flee, run from that moment of weakness. Fourth thing. Learn to accept delayed gratification. Learn to accept delayed gratification. Many a times we do things and we want immediate results. Right? Right? You do things and you want immediate good things to happen. You want all the blessing to flow on you just at the right moment. But God might choose to postpone it. Or maybe not give you in your lifetime. Maybe your kids or the next generations or generation to come might reap the benefits. Reap the blessings. Learn the art of delayed, accepting delayed gratification. You know, part of being Christian is being patient. You know, when, when we are called to be a Christian, when we are called to be a believer, we are expected to be patient. You remember in Isaiah, what does he say? He says, those who wait on the Lord will soar on wings like eagle." We have been called to wait on the Lord. In Isaiah 46.10, he says that all he knows that God will never lie. That's in Titus 1.2. And that what he has promised, he is able to deliver is what it's written in Isaiah 46.10. Titus says that all that he knows that God will never lie. And Isaiah reminds us that all that he has promised, he is able to deliver. Whatever our God has promised, He will deliver. What more promises do we need? Our God who doesn't lie. Period. What He has given us in the scriptures, it stands true. Period. And whatever He has promised, He will deliver. When He says He will come back in all its glory, He will. We have to be patient. Fifth and the final thing. Obedience in God's commandment brings us lasting blessings. Obedience in God's commandments brings us lasting blessings. We see that in the life of Joseph. He was obedient throughout his journey. And we saw the lasting blessing, not just him, his entire household. And then we eventually see the covenant that was promised to Abraham was was able to get fulfilled. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says that every good good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good, good gift and every perfect gift is from above delayed gratification and being obedient will ensure that there will be lasting blessings maybe in your lifetime or maybe in the generations to come there is definitely going to be lasting blessings I will just take 10 minutes to conclude we started with 400 years of slavery right the covenant that was made to, the, to Abraham. And when we see the life of Joseph, he reached Egypt and eventually he was able to call all his brothers and in famine they were able to sustain themselves. And in all this journey, we know it's all linked up to Jesus Christ, right? We know that Jesus Christ will come from the tribe of Judah. And because of what happened in the life of Joseph, he was able to preserve the tribe of Judah. All his suffering had a bigger picture. I think none of the 12 tribes, no one even knew what's going to come. But because of what happened, the story of Joseph, we know that the tribe of Judah was preserved. And eventually we see Jesus Christ coming through that tribe. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ who was also the perfect lamb who got sacrificed. The lion and the lamb is what we sing, right? Jesus Christ, the lion and the lamb. My dear brothers and sisters, I just want you to remember that our life, our sufferings has always a bigger picture. But God expects us to behave or to respond in a particular manner. Always remember that when you do the right things, not always you will get relief from your pain and suffering. But God expects us to do the right thing. Life is unfair, but remember, Christ is fair. And always remember that God will ensure that all things will work together for good. And as we enter 2019... I just want you to make a promise to yourself. There's absolutely no excuse that is good enough to break God's commandment. There's absolutely no excuse that is good enough to break God's commandment. Next time when you have a fall, when you fall into temptation, when you sin against the Lord, before you give a reason or before you rationalize it, remember, there's no good reason, good enough to break God's commandment. And learn the art to accept delayed gratification. Many a times, or most of the times, you might not be rewarded for all your actions. For your relentless service in the church, you might not get rewarded. You might not get acknowledged. But God wants us to be faithful. God wants us to be patient. God wants us to be faithful to the task that he has given us delayed gratification, or I might say no gratification at all. Don't do it for that. Do it for the Lord, and do it for His glory. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we bow down our head, and uh, we want to say thank you, Lord, for the life of Joseph, and uh, and the lessons that we can learn from him, Lord Father. Father God, we as we read that Even though he was faithful and even though he did all the right thing, he went through all the difficult sufferings and and, and, and a tough time in his life, Lord. And Father, you allowed that to happen. In the same way, Lord, we want to say that, Lord, you are sovereign in our sufferings. Lord, you are sovereign in our tough times. You are sovereign in our happy times, Lord, Father. And we say that, Lord, you are always in control. And with that, Lord, we know that there is nothing... That can happen to us. There's nothing that can separate us. Lord, like your scripture says, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what time that we go through, you're always there by our side, Lord. And that's why we want to say thank you, Lord. Lord, many a times we, are, we fail to see the big picture. We are too focused in our pain and our suffering of that particular moment. But Lord, we pray that in the new year, in the coming year, Lord, we pray that we may be able to set our hearts to the bigger picture and understand that there is always something good that you have planned out of our suffering, out of our pain. Lord, we pray that you be with each and every one of us so that we may be able to live a life like Joseph and be faithful to you in all our circumstances, Lord. Lord, help each and every one of us not to run behind gaining gratification from people. Lord, help us to be more patient. Lord, help us to wait on you, Lord. Because we know that when we wait on you, we will soar on wings like eagles, Lord, Father. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for your son, whom you gave us freely. The suffering that we were supposed to go through, you poured it all on him. The wrath that we were supposed to go through. Lord, you pour out all your wrath on your son. And today, we stand here justified, righteous in front of you. We want to say thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for the entire past year. Lord, we ask forgiveness for any kind of excuse that we are given in order to justify our sins. Lord, we pray that in this coming year, we may Understand that there is absolutely no good excuse to break any of the commandments that you have given. We always have the power in the blood of your Son. We have the power to say no and flee from sin, Lord. Father, we pray that you strengthen each and every one of us and believe that there is always power in your blood. Lord, till we meet again, Lord, be with each and every one of us. We submit our lives into your hands. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.